everybody. Welcome to the Gather podcast. And like we said last week, we are going to gather either online or in person or in small groups. And I hope you got a chance to get the Adore book by Sarah Haggerty. And if you didn't, I highly recommend it. And part of our podcast will be one week, we will do an interview. Last week, I hope you got to hear Rachel and were inspired by her. And this week, I'm gonna talk a little bit about Adore and what Sarah has to say about God being our restorer. And he is the restorer of our soul, which is really good news. And we're gonna talk about this idea of praying in a dialogue versus a monologue. I'm gonna read a few um, parts of this book to you just to get you started in case you haven't gotten the book. And each week I'll do that because who doesn't love being read to? And the first um, little bit, it talks about um, Hannah crying out to God. And the thing that happened for Hannah was she um, wasn't able to have kids. And during that time period, obviously having children was a huge part of the economy even. And so for Hannah, that was a sign that God didn't love her. And obviously we know now that is very much not true. But in the time that she was crying out to God, she says that um, she was pouring out her soul to him. And um, Eli thought she was drinking because she was talking, her lips were moving, but she wasn't saying any words. And so she says no to Eli. I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I'm pouring out my soul before the Lord. So the truth is, as we're learning to adore God, we need to first of all kind of acknowledge that there's something that we've lost and that needs to be restored again. And then we can start to feel him and experience him as the restorer of our soul. So as you hear about Hannah's story, you realize that there was something lost. As you heard Rachel's story last week, there was something lost. And as you think about your own story, you can think of things that were lost. Um, maybe it was hopes or dreams. Maybe, um, maybe right now there's loss of time and energy, and some of the things that maybe are bigger are smaller in your life. Um, they might be tangible things or they might be um, intangible, but God truly does want to restore those things in your life, and he loves you each dearly. And um, so as you think of him and as you ponder how the things that he wants to restore, think of Hannah, and then you can also think about a woman that Elisha was very um, much involved in her life. Her name, we don't know her name. She was just called the Shunammite woman. Um, but she was a shepherdess, and she was a woman that had uh, no children again. And so, and Elijah had healed her, and then her son had passed, and she healed him. And then she lost all her fortune, and he restored that to her. Now, Elisha was just a prophet, but he was a minister of God. And that is a foreshadowing of what Jesus has done for us. He has restored us into a relationship with him. And now in the future, God, our Heavenly Father, will restore everything and make everything new. So we need to know that even when we're, we've lost something and we feel that loss really, really deeply, we can know that that, that isn't a sign that God doesn't love us. Actually, God comes to restore. It says that the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, but God comes to give life and life to the full. 
So we know that we can look to scripture and see that he's restoring things over and over again. So how do we learn to adore him? Even our, in our deep anguish, like Hannah or the Shunammite woman, we first of all, we give him our circumstances and we lament. And a lament is a cry of our heart. It's a cry to our good, good father. So if you don't know that somebody loves you, then you're not really gonna cry out to them. You're only gonna cry out to somebody that you know really, really loves you. And so that's why when Hannah went to call out to God, she knew he loved her. And so she cried out to him. So we focus on who God is and who he is is our restorer and we give him our circumstances. And as we give him those circumstances, he gives us strength and hope, knowing that even if he doesn't restore this side of heaven, he will ultimately restore things and make things new. And the invitation is um, to have a real healing connection with our Father that restores. So sometimes we're tempted to think about our Heavenly Father as somebody that just makes us good, you know, and he's really not just in the business of making good people. He's in the business of making whole people. He wants to make us whole. He wants to restore us and put us into a right relationship with him, but also heal us deeply. So when we bring him our broken hearts, he makes us new. In Psalms 147.3, it says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And that is very good news to us because I think every one of us can say we have wounds that need to be bound up. So through the momentous moments of our lives, those moments that we post on Instagram and Facebook, those moments that we would really rather live in, those great moments, those moments, he wants to be in those, but he also wants to be in the mundane moments. Like right now when you're folding laundry and you are um, doing things that you don't really necessarily want to do, he wants to be in those moments too. So as we take the mundane moments and we give them to him and we adore him in those moments, we can see him at work in our lives and we can see him restoring our souls and renewing us. So Sarah Haggerty says it this way, adoration is choosing from God's word a part of his character and his nature to meditate on, particularly one with which you wrestle. It is a simple way to talk with God. It's a conversation with a friend. It's an engagement that can turn the hard parts of our heart toward the word and his person, expecting that he might soften them. And so when you think about it, you know, I think I've shared my story many times about struggling with God as my healer. And I would listen to songs and try to worship on Sunday and I would see, sing, you are my healer. And I would think, God, but you're not healing. And then I realized in Revelations 22, it says that God has provided a tree for the healing of the nations. And I realized that one day he would heal me completely, even if he didn't, this side of heaven. And so then I could sing, he's my healer. So right now, if you're struggling with this idea that God is the restorer of your soul, and maybe you're dealing with depression or anxiety or something really big, and you're thinking, wow, he's just not restoring my soul. Or maybe it's loss. And you know that until you get to heaven, that person isn't going to be restored to you. I just want you to know that he is your restorer because ultimately he will restore all those things that we've lost and made them new. 
So if you look at the scriptures that I provided for you, if you're here, and I'll keep them in the notes for you on YouTube. Um, in Deuteronomy 33, it says, after sinning, he restores us. In Joel 2, 25 to 26, you see after a famine, he restores all that the locusts have eaten. And that's such good news because we can say that no matter what comes to us right now, some of you are experiencing really big hardships economically, you need to know God's intent towards you is to restore you. And then Psalm 23, of course, he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. So in our grief, even as we are waiting to see our loved ones again, he's restoring us, which is great news. And then in Luke 8, after ma major sickness for this poor woman, he heals her. And then in 2 Corinthians 13, 9, in our weakness, he restores us. And of course, in Revelations 21, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old things have passed away. He was seated on this throne and he said, I am making everything new. Write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So he is making all things new and that is good for us to hear and good for us to live in that space and adoring him for his intentions towards us, which is to restore us. And so hopefully this week, as you're thinking about this, you'll ask God in a listening prayer, because he does want a dialogue with you, not, not just a one-way conversation. He wants to be a good friend, a good, good father to you, and he does want to restore your soul. So maybe ask him, what do you want to restore in my life? And listen for what he has to say to you and watch as he does begin that restoration process for you. All right, let's pray and then I'll teach you one lesson because you've asked for some really practical tools for working with your kids too. Father, thank you so much that you are the restorer of our souls, that you love us. Father, thank you that you're our creator, that you have knit us together, that you know us and you love us. You fully know us and you fully love us. Jesus, thank you that you've come to save us, that you've taken on all the broken parts, all the sinful parts onto yourself, and that you have um, made a way for us to be whole. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are our comforter and that you are nearer to us than any best friend could ever be. So help us to lean into that relationship with you. As we do hard things, help us to trust that you are restoring us and um, setting us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so one of the things, if you ever go to counseling, that you will learn about is something called the I feel statement. If you've ever been in one of my classes, you've already heard this, but I knew I had to start with this because Rachel asked me to. She said this was one of the things I taught her early on and that was very helpful. And essentially, it is a speaker-listener technique. So it is the idea that one person holds onto this little sheet of paper and says, I feel hurt when you come home late without calling, so could you please call before when you know you're going to be late so I can wait on dinner. So, And then the other person would paraphrase it back. And the idea is to slow down conversation so it doesn't turn into a huge argument. So as you can see in marriage, it's great. Also in the workplace, it can be great. If you don't feel like you can start a sentence with I feel, you can start with when. 
but you always end with a request. Sometimes what happens when we're mad, we end with a demand instead of a request. And when we demand things of our spouses or people we work with or um, friends, it doesn't usually end well. But if we can make a request, that can make a really big difference in the conversation. The next one is the children's version of this, and it is called Bugs and Wishes. And it just makes it a little easier to communicate with kids. And it helps them to have a visual. And so you put this right on your refrigerator. And it teaches them instead of hitting when they don't get what they want, they can use bugs and wishes. So parents say, it bugs me when, and I wish you would um, to their kids. And then that way, that's like a prompt. Use your bugs and wishes. And so they can say, it bugs me when you take that toy. Would you please ask? Or I wish you would. And so. When they do that, it hopefully helps them to not hit. What I always said to my kids was, if you don't hit, you don't get in trouble. But if you hit, then you get in trouble. The other person will get in trouble if you don't hit, and they've taken the toy, but you won't if you don't do something back, if you use your bugs and wishes. So that usually helped to gain a little bit of self-control. So hopefully this will help to create some peace in your house. On the back, there's also um, a step for helping them to make peace with each other. So they each go to their rooms and they calm down and then they come back out, they use their bugs and wishes. And then our kids always ended with brothers are forever and a hug. So when their friends would come over, they would say, shh, stop fighting. She's gonna make our, us use our bugs and wishes. <laughs> and so they learned, even their friends learned that when um, we fought in our house, we used our bugs and wishes. And I can't even imagine how much this would help my clients who are married now if they grew up in a home that used bugs and wishes because it really does slow down the arguing and create a way for you to resolve conflict. So, and sometimes, even though we know this, Joe and I don't always use it, so, but it does help to have it on your refrigerator. And um, we know when we're not using it and when we're choosing not to use it. And it's big about accountability to um, just kind of point at the I feel statement. And then the other person grabs it and we go sit down and we talk instead of fighting. And it makes a really big difference. So the last thing I wanted to share with you is this book. It's called Don't Forget to Remember. It's by Ellie Holcomb. And I'm going to give it to somebody to borrow today that's here to use with their kids, but it'll go into our library here at Faith. And I highly recommend it because it really does help our kids to adore God. And it's beautiful. Ellie is a worship minister, and she's obviously now a children's author, and she does a really great job. So hopefully you'll enjoy this with your children in learning um, all the ways that God um, God works in our lives. And they're beautiful, really beautiful illustrations. Um, it's like every day when the sun rises, the warmth that you feel is God's love by your side. So it's teaching them to experience all the good gifts that God gives us in our world as gifts from him. So hopefully you'll like that. All right, everybody, we'll see you back next year, next week, not next year, next week for an interview.